Hi, I'm Christopher Walker. This is my podcast, Closely Observed Teaching. It's all about ELT, English Language Teaching, or EFL, English as a Foreign Language. Hi, and welcome back to the Closely Observed Teaching podcast. I'm here today with the wonderful Alba Casado, and we're going to be talking about helping proficient students. So these are students at higher levels of uh, English fluency. So um, Alba, hello, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me, Christopher. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, it's a real pleasure for me. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about yourself, first of all? Sure. Uh, Well, my name is Alba Casado. I'm from the south of Spain, um, but I'm quite a nomad and I'm in Poland at the moment, uh, wow. but I'm afraid it won't be for too long. <laughs> no? Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I'm a Spanish teacher and I love learning English and mm-hmm. I recently passed the Cambridge C1 advanced uh, exam and I'm currently preparing for the next level. Um, wow. I, I love grammar. Uh, uh-huh. both in Spanish and, Eng- and in English, but not in the traditional way, but mm-hmm. a grammar that focuses on meaning and that takes into consideration the way we perceive the world, basically. So. Oh, that's fantastic. So is it more like the lexical approach rather than a kind um, of It's dogmatic? actually um, called uh, the cogn- uh, cogn- cognitive grammar. I don't know uh-huh. if you've, you've heard about it. It, it rings a bell. I think... Actually. Yeah, it, it goes pretty well with the lexical approach, although some people uh, kind of uh, see them as uh, opposites, but the, uh-huh. it doesn't make sense to me. I think they have a lot in common. Aha, uh-huh. so they're more complementary systems then, it sounds yeah. like. It. Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, when did you start learning English? Uh, well, I guess you could say that I've been learning English all my life. I started when I was in preschool. The problem was that my teacher back then, uh, didn't know English herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she was just following the textbook to the best of her knowledge, which was, yeah. by the way, very, very limited. And as a result, I learned terrible English. And I had a very strong, well, I, I wouldn't even call it accent. Um, since I was trying to imitate my teacher's pronunciation, mm-hmm. she didn't know what she was doing. And I was basically using the phonetic system from Spanish and applying it to the English words I was uh-huh. learning. So it was terrible. <laughs> and the following teachers were not much better. So I finished school knowing very, very little. And high school was a little bit better, but not much. I mean, I ended up knowing a lot of the grammar rules by heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty useful for passing the tests. <laughs> but when it came to actually using the language, uh, I wasn't able to do much. Uh-huh. And I-, I was terrified of speaking. I mean, really terrified to the point of wanting to cry every time someone wanted to talk to me in English, like mm-hmm. a tourist <laughs> on the street, for example. Yeah. So uh, long story short, that wasn't a useful, um, a, a successful learning experience. So I had to, um, to learn better um, later. So if I had to pinpoint uh, when I started to learn English effectively, 
uh, that would be during my last year of university because since I knew I wanted to go abroad, I decided to go to language exchange meetings. Mm -hmm. And that was um, really hard at the beginning, to be honest. But I ended up meeting awesome people and I got to open up a little. And I remember that that summer, I also read my first book in, entirely in English. Oh, wow. Congratulations <laughs> yeah. for that. <laughs> Which That's was, step, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a really big step for me and it, it was the curious curious incident of the dog in the nighttime uh, oh. which is a very accessible book for intermediate levels have you heard about it i've read it myself actually i would oh. agree thoroughly i think it's an excellent book to start with not just because it is very approachable but also because it really teaches you a lot about a different way of viewing the world and the yeah. life experiences that people have yeah, so I, I loved it and that also gave my confidence a much needed boost. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to be next then? What will be the, the next challenge that you need to face to kind of progress your language further? Will it be the C2 proficiency? Um, yes, but I think um, that's more like a long-term goal for me. Mm -hmm. I. For example, I started uh, a podcast, as you know, mm -hmm. and that's like a little big step, <laughs> actually. But uh, every episode is a, a, a small step, you know, it is, and that yeah. keeps me going. Well, that's good, because I think that one of the problems that my students have had and that sometimes teachers have as well is when they look at the uh, the the. CEFR, the framework for languages, and they see these different levels, A1 to A2, A2 to B1, going up like that. They often look at it and think of it as a straight line, but I don't think that really follows. I think it's more kind of logarithmic. It's almost exponential going from one level to the next. And there is so much ground to cover between C1 advanced and C2 proficiency that I think if you try to take all on, you will end up uh, overwhelmed and perhaps disappointed. So I think the approach that you're adopting here is a very sensible one. Yeah, and since my goal is not actually passing a test because I need it, I, I don't really need it. Mm -hmm. uh, my goal is uh, learning English. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not really like a, a, an, an end goal. It's more like a process. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't mind spending... Um, more time in this uh, step. Uh, I, I just want to enjoy it and learn uh, as much as I can. I think that's a really uh, positive approach, to be honest. It's um, uh, too many people are goal oriented and they forget about the journey. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So you've mentioned the books that um, you've read. Well, you've mentioned a book that you've read. Uh, mm -hmm. You've mentioned your podcast, which you're working on. And I'll mention that again later, but it's, uh, it's a really good, very interesting podcast that I think my own students are going to enjoy when they start uh, listening to it more. Um, what other resources have helped you along the way? Um, do, do you find that TV shows actually help you much? Yeah, actually, uh, I consume content like crazy. Uh -huh. uh, whenever I'm walking the dog or doing dishes or housekeeping or waiting in line or whatever. Um, I mean, any kind of task I can uh, do more or less automatically. 
and um, of course, depending on the task, uh, I try to listen to podcasts, audiobooks, I watch TV shows, I read articles or uh, books. I mean, I consume a lot of content and not in a mindless way. I try to be very aware of the language and I often uh, take notes of mm -hmm. interesting words, expressions or grammar structures. And this is something I wouldn't do in the past. I didn't pay much atten attention. And even if you do a lot in English, uh, I think you need to focus in order to acquire those new words and structures. And but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And another thing that's been a game changer for me is repetition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I think nowadays um, we are all, all we are all looking for the new uh, next thing, like the the, the next new thing. Yeah. Um, we crave new experiences. We are sort of um, novelty junkies. Oh, absolutely! And, no, that's, yeah. that's a very profound point. You're absolutely right. And it's the same for me, really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not different. Um, I find it really difficult to watch the same movie twice, for example. Uh, but at the same time, I know that I need repetition. So um, as to be able to really improve my language. Yeah. And I realized that it gets, it gets trickier uh, the higher your level is. Mm -hmm. Because, well... Uh, think about this. Uh, when you get to an intermediate level, you know a really small percentage of the language, right? Yes, that's right. But with that um, small percentage, you still can understand like a 70% of most articles or books or any other language this, this is very true, yes. Yeah. So we have like a 30% or 20% of the content left, mm -hmm. but... Uh, then an overwhelming amount of words, idioms, collocations, etc. There that we don't really know, and that means that those words that you need to learn now are not going to come up so frequently. Mm -hmm. uh, so those advanced words are not so frequent, and repetition is not guaranteed anymore. It was more or less before because uh, for those um, basic and intermediate words and structures, uh, they are going to come up easily, but not anymore. So I feel uh, that's one of the problems most intermediate students um, encounter without knowing when they get to that intermediate plateau. You know? Yeah, no, that's really, really profound. Yeah, and I think that as teachers, we're often guilty of prioritizing novelty over repetition mm. uh, to a large extent teaching is a business and you need to keep your customer satisfied you keep them satisfied by throwing tricks at them and throwing them a novelty so that they're always kind of engaged but at the same time we're doing our students a bit of a disservice because it's yeah. it should be the priority that we give them what they need and not necessarily what they want so no I think that's a really really excellent point Wow. Exactly. So uh, if you are not getting that repetition naturally uh, by being exposed to the language, uh, you, you need to do something about it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Your teacher can help, help you, for, of course. Uh, and it's actually, you, you said um, we, 
as, a stu as students, we want that novelty, of course, but we also get excited when uh, things that we know uh, come up, you know? It's mm -hmm. kind of, hey, I know this. <laughs> so, definitely. Yeah, maybe um, finding those uh, like real uh, language samples uh, with those new words or the, those new idioms. Uh, it's kind of the way to go for the teacher yes. in that sense. Yeah, I think so. Wow. So speaking about teachers then, can you tell me a little bit about your own experiences with different teaching styles and uh, maybe what you are looking for from a, a teacher these days? Sure. Um, so at this point, I think I can say I've experienced quite a lot of them from mm -hmm. the most directive and scary of, of them all <laughs> to yeah. uh, those modern student-centered styles. Mm -hmm. And I've also attended uh, group lessons in person and online, also private lessons in person and online. Uh, I've been in a classroom with another 100 people and also with two to 10 more people. And I've had uh, general English classes, but also lessons uh, focused on grammar, pronunciation, accent, on writing, on test preparation, uh, as well as conversation classes, for example. And in some of them, we would play games, for example. Mm -hmm. In others, uh, everything was like more serious, but I think games or not, I always prefer a more playful and relaxed atmosphere in which jokes are welcomed and I feel I'm not being judged. I think that's very important that I can experiment, uh, try new things with the language and express or even explore my own personality in, in the language. Yeah. I think the key for me is feeling comfortable. Yes. Yeah, I think that's kind of the key word, isn't it? Because language learning, as with any other kind of learning, is all about failure and making mistakes from which you learn. You can't do something right the first time. And if you could, it suggests that you've not really learned anything new anyway. So if you don't exactly. feel comfortable enough to make that mistake and learn from it, then it's not going to happen for you. And learning is very, very difficult in those circumstances. Exactly. And also regarding motivation at this point I think I'm pretty good at motivating myself mm -hmm. uh, but that said some teachers have the power to demotivate me <laughs> to demotivate you so to take the motivation away wow yeah, exactly. how do they do that <laughs> well um, it's it's a matter of uh, connection I think sometimes wow. you don't feel I, I don't know how to explain it but I I'm sure there are teachers listening to this that can feel that like spark with some mm -hmm. students and not with others. Yeah. Uh, so mm, the ones that have helped, helped me the most were those with whom I felt that connection because as I said, I need to feel comfortable. But of course, that's just the beginning. They also helped me identify my, my weaknesses uh, and they guided me. Uh, so I could work inside and outside the classroom, with, which I think is vital. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the lessons that you get are only going to be the start of the process, aren't they? I mean, yeah. um, I get some students who come to the school maybe once a week for an hour, and they think that that will be enough to help them mm -hmm. progress. But if you went to the gym once a week for an hour, you certainly wouldn't expect to have six pack abs by the end of the, the semester, exactly. would you? So no, I think that's very valid as well. Okay, uh, what about your expectations generally of what a teacher can do for you? Have they changed much in the, the past few years? Oh, yeah, they've changed a lot. <laughs> I think I used to expect everything from the teacher, basically. They had to prepare entertaining lessons. They had to assign homework in order for me to do something <laughs> outside mm -hmm. the classroom. They had to correct every mistake I made but in a respectful way, they had to motivate me. They had to answer every single question I had on the spot. They had to do everything. <laughs> but not too much then, really. <laughs> but with the experience, I've realized I can motivate myself. I can mm -hmm. kind of create or help to create a curriculum that is meaningful and interesting. To me, mm. I can correct some of my own mistakes, which is important. I can um, look for some answers online. Mm -hmm. I mean, the role of the teacher is still there because uh, they are the experts that can help you when you are stuck. And I, I use the word help here in a very broad sense. You yeah. can help a student in so many ways. Uh, you can, of course, help them by being an effective language speaker, mm -hmm. uh, but that's not the only way. You see, um, most of us have limiting beliefs when it comes to language, language learning, even mm -hmm. when we are aware of certain facts, like you need to make mistakes to learn a language. I mean, I, I know this, I'm a teacher, but we forget when we are the student, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So that's another way of helping the students. Yeah, and it's important sometimes for the teacher to step back and to, to offer the route to the answer, but not the answer itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I, I, I want to discover the language myself and I, I want to know what I'm able to do. And if you give me all the answers, I'm, I'm not going to be motivated. I, I'm just going to say, okay. Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then you ask the same question a week later because the answer didn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. Involved in getting it. Wow. Now, you mentioned that originally one of your expectations, one of your great expectations, let's say, was for the teacher to, to be able to answer all your questions on the spot and... I, I suppose that assumes a certain level of uh, grammar awareness on the part of the teacher. So how important would you say it is for your teacher to know everything there is to know about grammar? <laughs> well, this is a, a difficult question for me to answer because as I said, I love grammar. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in all honesty, I understand that um, a language is a living entity uh, it lives in their speakers and it's a very complex and changing system. Uh, so even if a teacher knows most of the grammar rules from the books, um, they may not be able to explain effectively every real use. 
so I would say I don't expect them to know all the rules, but I do expect um, a certain level of curiosity mm-hmm. uh, about the language and how it works. So for me, an answer like this is the rule, just learn it, mm-hmm. wouldn't be satisfactory. Yeah. But an answer like, I don't know right off, but I'll look into it or even um, let's analyze some examples together and think about it would be much more appealing to me in that sense. Oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah uh, so I don't need a grammar encyclopedia as a teacher. Yeah. I need like a curious and creative human being to help me discover the rules and the meaning they convey. I think that's that's really spot on. I mean, if you think about it, no person has experience of every domain of life. Mm-hmm. And yet the answer comes from every domain of life. For example, if you look at the difference between may and might in modal verb usage for certainty, um, if you don't know much about, let's say, academic writing, let's say that you've never needed to do uh, a thesis or something like that, you might mm-hmm. not be aware that may occurs a lot in academic writing, whereas might is preferentially used in spoken discourse. So mm-hmm. if you're not from that background, you might simply not know that this distance tends to exist. And you might fall back on what the grammar books sometimes say, where one of them is like 60% certain and one of them is 70% certain, but mm-hmm. they never even explain what it means for something to be 60% certain. I've never understood that myself. It makes no sense. So I think you're right that uh, the ideal state in a way, correct me if you, if you disagree, but the ideal state would be for the teacher and the student to be partners where the teacher is the, the more knowledgeable other, mm-hmm. but is also open to discovering new things. And yeah, exactly. It, you know, on the same journey as the students to some ex- extent. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, that's, that's a great note to finish on, isn't it? So, Albert, <laughs> before we finish, uh, first of all, thank you so much for all of this. I found this really enlightening and, and fascinating. Um, you do a podcast. Uh, can you tell us very quickly what that is? Yeah, well, I basically started this podcast called uh, C2 Proficiency Quest uh, as a way to practice myself, reduce my anxiety when speaking and... Uh, prepare for the Cambridge C2 uh, proficiency test at the same time. And the idea came from when I was preparing for the C1. I didn't have much time. I used to listen to a lot of podcasts podcasts and audiobooks when I was commuting, walking the dog. And I was like, well, I wish (laughs) there was a podcast about this very topic, but there wasn't. Mm And there were some episodes on the test, but nothing like really specific. So I decided to record myself and listen to the recording um, in order to practice. So when I decided to prepare for the C2 level, I said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing, but this time I'm going to share it with other students. And so this way they can benefit from it too. Uh, So I plucked up my courage and now I have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I've listened to a bit of the podcast and I really enjoy it. So I think it would be a great thing for the students to listen to. But also I think that teachers would get some value from it as well. Mm -hmm. I think they they would learn a lot about the experiences that you've had. 
Um, you're also very active, I've seen on Instagram. You've got some mm -hmm. brilliant posts there to help people practice their language and to explore new expressions and collocations and things. Is that under the same umbrella term, the C2 Proficiency Quest? Yeah, it's all the same thing. It's just, I'm just trying to share my journey and my methods. methods. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I do. I, I watch a lot of TV shows, so I share some um, extracts from, uh, some clips from some TV shows, and I think that can help uh, students. And also some uh, activities, you know, everything I do. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I really like it. And I think that it offers a lot of value for other students in the same sort of position. Wow. Okay. Well, Alba, thank you so much again. It's been a real pleasure talking thank to you. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. So uh, we should keep in touch and uh, we'll have a chat again in, in a couple of months and you can update me on your progress with everything, see what's new. Sure, <laughs> that would be awesome. Brilliant. Thank you again. And uh, to everyone listening, uh, that's goodbye from me and goodbye from Alba. <laughs>